of you already know me, um, Kelsey Etienne. I am so blessed that I was given the opportunity to go on this mission trip um, with the youth this summer. Um, I was just so blessed, and then when I went, I got to see the glory of God raw. And I'm someone who, I've had a very long spiritual walk with God, and I've seen God move in a lot of places and do a lot of things, but just seeing God move in the way that he did. Um, there's a photo of that photo where we were just, I don't know, it was just crazy that God chose this specific group of kids to do this specific work. And sure, we were just, you know, painting and whatever, just helping out with like, helping with things in church and the preschool. But just that God chose us at that specific moment and that specific time. And it reminded me of when Mordecai told Esther that, um, for such a time as this, you know, where God chose us to do his work. And I just felt so blessed. And I'm so incredibly grateful to Pastor Drew, who was the one to invite me. Um, but I'm so excited to see how God will continue to move, not just in the lives of the youth, but also how he will move in Black Point. And I pray that they really, that it wasn't just we went there to do good work, but that we went there for the spirit of God to move. Thank you. 
Friends, will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we begin our worship here this morning, we ask that you be with us in reminding us to trust in you. Uh, please, Lord, let the hope and the light that shines through these young people and through the great works of this church be a beacon to all who need your love and who need to turn back to you in, in all ways. We ask that you allow us to trust in you, Lord, and that you bring us back to you every time we might seem to turn away. In your name we pray. Amen.
Hi, I'm Gracie, and I was blessed to go on both the 2022 and 2023 uh, missions trips. Pastor Drew asked me to share something that was special about our last trip, and I have to say there are so many things, so I'm probably going to name a few. Um, first of all, just the community. You guys are awesome. We couldn't do the things that we did with all of your support and your love, so thank you guys so much for that. Also, just being able to live on a boat is an incredible experience, and I was also grateful for that. But my most cherished moment was um, from our last mission trip, and it was just um, the meaning of agape. Uh, two years ago, our last trip, we discovered that our name would be the Agape Ambassadors, and I really took to heart what that meant on this trip. Agape isn't how much you can do or how much money you can spend, but it's the relationship that you make with God and the testimony of that relationship. Even though we were able to accomplish daring projects like painting the local school or um, helping repair the loved basketball court, <laughs> that was an awesome experience. Um, the real thing was becoming friends with the people on the island, and I think that was priceless. Honestly, I can say that it was just as impactful for us as it was for them. Not only did we get to play with the kids and jump in the water with them and run around with them, but they were very determined in helping us with the projects that we were doing for them, and I thought that was so amazing. I am so thankful for Community Church and for the friends I have made on this trip, but also for the people that we made friends with on Black Point, because I've gained such a beautiful perspective on our true mission as children of God and friends with each other. Thank you.
Good morning, C2. Good morning. Uh, in case you don't know, I'm Silas. I'm the guy who sits in the back in the tech booth and does the slideshows. So if you ever have any problems with my speed or the size, you can come to me and let me know. And in case you have a favorite font you want me to put up there, you can give me a five, and I can do that for you. I got to go on the second Bahama ship this summer for the second time. I did the 2022 and the 2023 one. And it was so much fun. Uh, since I've been there, since we got to go back to the same place we did a year ago, people welcomed us and were super warm towards us. Um, but something I learned from this trip is that we weren't there just to do work on the island, but to make friends and really grow connections with people. I got the chance to make a friend with one of the younger boys, Chance. There he is up on the screen. Um, and because he became my friend, he wanted to show me everything that was to be shown on the island. And since he treated me as a friend, all the other local boys came along and wanted to be my friend as well. So then everyone was just friends. And from helping with projects to jumping off the dock together and just having a blast, they were just a blast to be with and they made the trip so, so much fun. And those are the memories to me that you don't forget. Um, real true friendships are something to value and this trip gave me many, as well as a chance to share God's amazing love in a just amazingly beautiful place. You get a good feeling making new friends, and then you get a good feeling doing work that you know many people are going to come to appreciate in coming times. And then, of course, you just, just the fact that you're in the Bahamas gives you an amazing feeling. <laughs> that week, I got to go on the mission trip to Black Point and the Exumas. was a week of good feelings and good times, memories that I won't forget. Thank you all for making that possible.
Oh, friends, we don't have to turn too far towards the news to know that things are a little bit difficult right now. Things are a little bit crazy, a little bit haywire. But through the midst of it all, are we not blessed? We have incredible music and musicians that lifts us up, that elevates us close to God. As it feels like we can almost reach out and touch the creator. We have incredible young people that are lighting the way for us in a way that it's, it's almost hard to describe um, the incredible job that these young people did down there. And, and we also have God who promises us the peace of Christ. And it's in these times especially that we need to turn to each other and remind each other that we have that peace of Christ and it is up to us to share it with each other to continue of the way of these young people and all the folks that are giving us hope. So let us now take a minute to stand up, to say hello to each other, and to share that peace of Christ with each other. May the peace of Christ be with you. Friends, before we get into our scripture, uh, you've heard from a few youth this morning, but I do believe there are some other youth here uh, joining us for worship that also participated in one of our two mission trips to Black Point this summer. So uh, if there are any youth in the house that went on either of those trips, would you like to stand up and we can all give you a round of applause and thanks. We are grateful to you all for being such good agape ambassadors. And yes, that is why I'm wearing a t-shirt this morning. So uh, God will forgive me, I am quite sure. Um, we have uh, lots of things going on uh, in the church here, folks. There are so many things ramping up that I'm not going to go through each one of them as our season gets started. I'll just lift up. We do have Jazz Vespers this evening at 7 o'clock. It will be inside, I believe, because of the warm weather. Uh, we are starting our Soul Cafe, our youth program that raises money after uh, the church service in commotion. We're going to be starting that once a month, so that will be starting in September on the first Sunday, the same Sundays that we do communion. So we'll break bread in here together, and then we invite you to come and break bread with the youth back in the commotion room and uh, also help them raise funds for future mission trips is where that money goes to. Uh, we also are having a reunion this afternoon for our, both our mission trips. It starts at 2 o'clock. It ends at 7, but you don't have to be there the whole time. You guys just can come and kind of pop in for a little while if you can't make it. I know school has started and you are all very, very busy. And, and that's another reason I really appreciate you being here to, to share your testimony. So please take a moment to go through the bulletin and look at all the incredible things that are happening in the church. If you'd like to support the missions of the church and the programs that we do, we do have generosity baskets by the door. We don't pass the plate here in C2, but if you'd like to support the church and everything that it touches, um, you can leave it uh, your donation in the generosity baskets. If you would like to specifically support Maui, you can write a check to the church and just in the memo line, write that that's what it's for, and that money will get most efficiently as we can to the best uh, place for them to be able to use it. So you can leave that in the baskets as well. Our scripture for this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 32. And it continues along in the theme of what we do when we're angry, what we do when we're, we're confused about where God is, and how we should be responding when we get to feeling that way. Let us hear the word of the Lord. So then, putting away falsehood, 
Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the word of God for the people of God. To those of you in C2 this morning, welcome. To the youth that are there giving testimony and those of you who went on the mission trip, so glad that you can be with us today in worship and to those of you who are here this morning. So my first word this morning is to you. Whether you've gone on a mission trip for just this year or two years or maybe more, there's something that's happened in your lives as God has been at work in and through you embodying agape, love, and peace in the world. So I want to plant a seed today that I would invite you to pass on and keep watering. When I was in high school, in my high school class of confirmation and then mission trip, there were only 12 or 14 of us. One became, when they grew, a missionary to Southeast Asia. One became a missionary to Africa. One became a doctor who served with Doctors Without Borders, and here I am. So I want you to listen and discern in your heart and prayer who among you is called to Christian ministry. Someone is, or more than one of you, and you know who it is. So today after worship, I want you to tell Drew and Gotti who that is, and I want you to tell them, to squeeze their arm and say it's you, or tell them some specific gift that they have that you think would one day make them a fine Minister, I see a lot of handshakes and touching going on right here and probably across the aisle too. Because God is at work already calling you to the service for which God has chosen you from the beginning of time. And we are blessed and privileged to be with you on that journey. Please pray with me. We thank you, God, for your word made known to us through Christ, embodied now through the lives of so many around this circle of care, those at home, those who could not be with us today, but whom we remember in prayer. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear your word among us this day, and so strengthened in faith to love and to serve you with gratitude all the days of our life. With glad and grateful hearts, we commend our lives to you in Christ's name. Amen. Early in my ministry, I was called to a thriving, urban church in a charming, walkable community. Each church I've served had a capital campaign at some point when I was there, and this church was no exception. 
So after tentatively agreeing to move forward in conversation with the church, there were three unexpected surprising things that took place. Number one, I received a call from the head of trustees who said, in light of this capital campaign, the good news is um, we're going to call you here as our new minister. The bad news is we're going to tear down your house before you get here. A parking lot took its place. Number two, the second surprising thing that happened was just a week before I was to arrive, the interim minister who called, called me on the phone and said, um, we're just two months away from the end of the fiscal year, and oh, by the way, we're short $250,000. Good luck. And the third surprising thing is that I decided to go anyway. Like a honeymoon gone off the rails, things went from bad to worse. My husband, Ellis, was still finishing up his work across the country, and I came home one day early in that tenure to discover that the first floor of our house was covered with raw sewage. As it turns out, the pipes from the house to the street had disintegrated a detail that the former owners knew but neglected to disclose when we bought the place. So after I sat down on the steps and wept, and after I called a plumber, and after I procured a neighbor who had a wet vac, I walked down the street like a woman gone mad, shaking my fist at the sky. God, what were you thinking calling me to this place? You've got to be kidding. You've got the wrong girl. What makes you think I'm the right person for this work at this time? Send somebody else. I suspect most of you know what it's like at some time to be mad at God. When we spend years praying for a loved one to be healed, a disability to be removed, a certain outcome to take place, we may feel angry with God if things do not turn out the way we hope. When we're mad at God, it's not so much that we ask, why, God, why did this happen? But why did it happen to me? When we want or expect something from God, we humans have a tendency to expect God to deliver. And we sometimes get angry with God when we don't get what we want. If we believe God is like a magic fairy who promises to give us whatever we think will make us happy, we're going to be disappointed. God's not like that. In like manner, when we do not Extend the, ex understand the extent of God's great sovereignty, we could lose confidence in God's ability to, to control the circumstances of the world. Is there anybody out there? And then we get angry with God because God seems to have lost control of the universe because our lives feel out of control. When we lose faith in God's overarching power, it's because our vulnerable human flesh is wrestling with our own frustration and our own lack of control over events. Have you ever noticed that, that when good things happen, we all too often attribute those good things to our own achievement and success? But when bad things happen, we're quick to blame God. When we get angry with God for not preventing some bad thing from happening, this really indicates a flaw in our thinking. It assumes that we, in particular, deserve to be immune from difficult or unpleasant circumstances, even though we observe that that's not the way of the world for everybody else. At some point, everyone has felt slighted or wronged by a higher power. 
And we're not alone. Throughout the Bible, the characters were no different. Such was the case of Jonah. You remember Jonah, who was called by God to prophesy to the Ninevites, and he very much resented it. I don't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't like how they were acting. Pick somebody else. You remember Jonah. He got mad at God. He crossed his arms. He stamped his feet and said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Bring your word to those awful people. And shortly thereafter, Jonah was swallowed up by a whale who swam to Nineveh and spit him out on the shore. You might remember the story of Job, a righteous man who suffered tremendous losses and was angry and bitter, believing that God had allowed great misfortune to happen to him. Job questioned why God had given him a life of suffering and pain, even though Job had done nothing wrong to deserve it. He bemoaned how his faith in God's fairness had been betrayed, and he couldn't understand why he was being subjected to all this suffering. Job believed that if there was a God out there, and he believed that there was a God, God should not allow bad things to happen to good people like himself. His anger towards God is evident throughout the book that's named after him in the Bible. And when his friends said that this must have happened for a reason, because then they believed that if you got sick or something bad was going on, it's because you sinned or someone in your family had sinned, then Job's misery only deepened because he couldn't find anybody to blame. King David was furious with God when his son died. Moses got angry with God more than once. And Mary argued with God about her pregnancy. How can this be, God? Before coming to terms with it and praying, let it be unto me. These great biblical figures and many others, like us, weren't immune to suffering and righteous indignation over their suffering. Yet God brought each of them through their suffering to a greater understanding of God's cosmic vision for the world and their place in it. Their suffering is not where it ended. While God cares intimately for each one of us, the cosmos isn't just about us. So we're left reconciling the notion of God's grandeur, wondering why God should concern God's own self over the likes of us, in particular, if at all. Yet Jesus taught us about the lily of the field and that sparrow, assuring us that even as God cares for them, how much more God cares for us. He taught us to pray without ceasing, trusting that while God may not complete the specifics with the specific brand we want on our grocery list of life, our prayers align our life and our will with God, and that changes everything. When we're angry with God, there's likely a discrepancy between what we believe about God and how we experience God. Clinical mental health counselor and ordained minister Laverne Haynes Collins identifies a relationship between client recovery after trauma and their ability to reconcile suffering with their understanding of God. She cites a 2010 Baylor University religion survey that suggests our expectations of God are determined by our answers to two questions. 
First, do we believe that God is involved or uninvolved in human affairs? And second, is God benevolent and merciful toward humanity? Or is God judgmental and critical toward humanity? How we understand God and our experience of God's relationship to us depends on what we believe about how God relates to us as human creatures. Dr. Collins observes that when a person's complaint against God stems from something that God failed to do or failed to provide, it suggests that the person expects God to be involved in and benevolent toward the situation. In that case, we may be angry at God for neglecting to provide protection from a tragedy, for denying something that we expected to receive, or for failing to heal a disease. Because that's inconsistent with our expectation of a benevolent God who is kind and merciful and compassionate and protective. When we believe in a distant God, and we see God as primarily being uninvolved in today's world, we may believe that God created the world through a kind of cosmic force. You've heard me talk in the past about this notion of God like a divine bowler who sets the worlds into being and then lets it go, never to be involved with it again. We see God as now removed from a world and simply observing it from afar, like that song that you know, from a distance. If that's how we understand God, then we may believe that God set the world in motion, but it's remained unknowable and mysterious. And given that belief, when tragedy comes to good and evil people, we're grateful that we're here, we're grateful for our life, but we don't really expect God to answer us in any particular way at all. Whether we understand God as close to us as breathing or distance as the farthest star or both, we're off track when we misunderstand how the God of either relates to humanity. Our suffering often stems from this disconnect. When we feel betrayed or neglected by God, we may turn away from God, the church, our prayer life, our community. We leave the very spiritual home that anchors us in troubled times and then feel abandoned by God when circumstances bring us to our knees. When we can't reconcile our understanding of God and our experience of God's presence, we may abandon our faith altogether, at least for a time. When that's the case, we may need to re-explore and rethink our understanding of the nature of God in order to be made well. We may need to consider a different theology of suffering that normalizes the pain we all experience at certain points of life. Let me say that again. Pain and suffering are normal. It happens for all of us because we are creatures of the earth. We all experience grief. Every one of us, we all experience illness. We all experience disappointment. We've all experienced loss. And when we suffer, instead of blaming God, we can look for the good that may come out of the worst of times. The worst of times, God is there even in the worst of times. We can choose hope even when desolation surrounds us. Now we've all witnessed that this week as we've watched the native Hawaiians stand in the ashes of their homes with a resolve to rebuild, haven't we? 
You've seen all the FEMA workers and their cadaver dogs sifting hopelessly through the ashes. But what you have not seen on television are the countless spiritual leaders, chaplains, pastors, and priests who are also on the ground. As the faith leaders of a deeply suffering people, they move through the wrecked neighborhoods, praying with people for the strength to persevere through impossible times. Answered prayers include the stories that you do hear of people helping people despite their pain. And behind the scenes, those with faith speak about the power of Christ's resurrection to rise from death to life, trusting that if God could do that for Christ, then God will do that for us too. God is with them in their pain, but God is not the cause of their pain. In his spiritual autobiography, William Barclay, the venerable Scottish scholar, tells of the tragedy of losing his 21-year-old daughter and her fiancé who drowned in a boating accident. He writes, God did not stop that accident at sea, but God did st still the storm in my own heart so that somehow my wife and I came through that terrible time and remained standing on our feet. Tragedies bring home the awful truth that we are not in charge. All of us think at one time or another that we can control the outcome of situations, but in reality, the cosmic power of God who made the heavens and earth of all that was, is, or ever will be works in and through creation constantly reconciling, healing, restoring all things in due season, whether we see it or not. Of course, we sometimes get to glimpse God's workings. We sometimes receive the blessings and the benefits of God's generosity. Yet we're also prone to suffer by virtue of our creatureliness. All living creatures, all creation, from the tiniest amoeba to the greatest star, come into being, experience this wild and beautiful existence for a time, and then die and return rebirthed, birthed into new life as is the promise of God through Christ. Now I will tell you, I do not believe in a God that sits on a throne in the sky and says, hey, you over there, I'm going to let you suffer or worse theology yet, I'm going to make you suffer. I don't believe it. I don't believe in the God that some of you have had whispered in your ear when you lost a beloved. God needed that child in heaven. I'm having none of it. That is a God that I don't want to have any part of at all. I affirm the God of the resurrection and the life. Though we die, yet shall we live. I affirm the cosmic God greater than our imagining, whom fortunately we cannot control, however much we may wish it so. And I affirm that God is with us, even though we are not the center of the universe, as we sometimes imagine. God is with us in all things. Do you remember that ministry I talked about when I started this morning? Such a great start to ministry. The call that had such great challenges. As it turns out, God brought to that church and to our family among the greatest blessings of our lives and theirs. Were it not for that call from God against which I once raged, our son would have not moved that year home with us after college, 
met our future daughter-in-law at that very church and brought forth into the world our four beloved grandchildren. My husband would not have followed me to that church from his former occupation and started a new graduate program for school psychologists whose work impacts the lives of hundreds of children and youth to this day and beyond. By the grace of God, we received countless blessings that I would never have known to pray for or even begin to imagine. As you go your way this day, consider God's essential question out of the whirlwind, the same question God asked Peter, which Reverend Elizabeth talked about last week, and Job, and you, and me. Do you love me? Can you love what you cannot control? Can you love this wild and beautiful creation and its wild, untamable creator? Whatever happens to us in this earthly life, every circumstance, every exquisite ecstasy, and every terrifying defeat, God was, is, and always will be with us, and that is God's good news. In this God, may we trust even to the end of time. Amen.
Will you once more join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we offer up so many thanks. We thank you, Lord, for allowing your presence to be here amongst us right here in this room, for allowing us to feel you and experience you and know that you are working through and in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of being a people of covenant, covenant that promises that your love and your grace is with us and also your forgiveness, and our covenant that we will follow you in your way as best we can. Oh, Lord, how sometimes, how soon we forget that covenant, how sometimes we want to raise our clenched fists against you, how we want to shout, where are you? Why aren't you with us? Lord, it is in these times that we need your reminder to turn back to you and to trust in you as a people of covenant. It is in these times that we need your reminder that we need to be patient and in your infinite and cosmic plan, we do not determine the outcome. You determine the outcome and you steer us and you guide us through where we need to be. Gracious God, in times of turmoil and natural disaster and tragedy, help us to know that even when we have dark circumstances that bring us to our knees, that is when we need to be praying the most. That is when we need to be turning to you. That is when we need to be turning towards each other. We need to be your acolytes out in the world. We need to bring your light to those that are in need. Let our young people here today be models of that for us. We thank you for the gift of them. Please, Lord, please continue to be that beacon of light for us. Help us to always trust in your plan and help us to know that we can see you not only in tragedy, but what comes afterwards. Holy God, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray as one together this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That you poured out so freely from above. Look of gratitude and praises for compassion so amazing. Lord, we come to give you thanks for all you've done.
of your love, we are forgiven. And guess what? Every single one of us in here is an agape ambassador. Take that agape out into the world and share it with all those that you come in contact with. Go in peace, my friends, and may the grace and love of God be with you now and always. Amen.